This edition of Farming the Countryside is brought to you by Pivot Bio Proven. Turn to a better nitrogen. Learn more at pivotbio.com. Welcome to Farming the Countryside. I'm Andrew McRae. About 40% of farm and ranch land in this country is leased. What are the keys to building the best lease relationship, no matter which side of that agreement you may find yourself? We visit with a man who knows the situation very well. It's our topic for this week's Farming the Countryside, and it's brought to you by Pivot Bio. When it comes to using nitrogen on my corn, the more predictable, the better. That's why I've used Pivot Bio Proven 40 on my corn for the past two seasons. With Pivot Bio, I know my crops are getting the nitrogen they need, no matter the weather. And now, that same predictability is available right on the corn seed. Pivot Bio Proven 40 on seed gives growers even more flexibility with their nitrogen. Our field demonstrations show an opportunity for a better ROI and a reduction of synthetic nitrogen. Turn to better nitrogen with Pivot Bio. For more information, just contact your local sales rep or go to pivotbio.com. The USDA reports that just under 40% of farmland is leased in this country. That means that many of us listening to this show are on one side or another of those leases. In today's world, those contracts can be highly competitive and be a major expense or source of revenue. So what can you do to improve those relationships, find the best economic situation, and protect yourself and your assets in the process? Max Wink knows the situation very well. For many years, he has been both a landlord and renter of farm and ranch land. His insights are ones that many of us can put to good use. Visiting with Max Wink, and Max and I are going to talk about uh, both sides of renting and leasing ground because Max does that. Uh, first of all, Max, thanks for joining me. And perhaps just begin by telling folks about where you farm and then perhaps where you are renting and also being a landlord in the country because I know that you farm in a lot of different places. Yeah, that's right, Andrew. Uh, we have actually farm in uh, South Dakota and Wisconsin. Uh, I grew up in South Dakota, western part, on a cow-calf ranching operation. And uh, in Wisconsin, uh, we have a farming operation, uh, which is beef cattle and um, corn and soybeans and hay. And uh, the operation in South Dakota being a family operation, um, you know, we manage that operation. I have a business partner. Uh, there is some land that we lease out, but, uh, you know, not all of it. And in Wisconsin, um, we uh, lease a fair amount of farmland and we own some farmland. So, yeah, you're right. We kind of uh, work both sides of the fence. Which side do you like better? Is there one that you prefer over the other? <laughs> well, I guess that depends on what day you ask me. But no, I, I, I actually like both uh, for different reasons. Um, one of the things that I think is important from... Um, whether you're a landlord or a tenant, I think it's important to keep in mind, you know, why are you doing this? And, you know, what's the value that you want to get from it? And I guess my point of view is, is that whether you're leasing land out or whether you're operating um, land that you're leasing, uh, you know, you want to look for the value and the purpose in why you're doing what you're doing and let that guide, you know, how you deal with those relationships 
on the other end. Let's talk about the relationships. And depending on who's listening to this, I know a lot of our listeners are on one side of the fence or both. They're out there actively farming or perhaps leasing ground out. They may have lots of relationships or maybe they just have one or two. Where do I start as I begin to think about these leases and, and crafting these and building hopefully a relationship that's beneficial to both? Because you have to do that all the time. What is it that a lot of us are missing out on that you think we should pay more attention to? Well, I guess um, I think it starts with asking yourself the question, is this lease fair? Is it fair to the other party? And is it fair to me? And the reason I say that's an important part to start with is it's really tough to build trust on something where one party doesn't feel that it's fair. And if it something doesn't work for you, whether you're leasing land out or whether you're you know, farming land that's leased, you need to explore that and figure out how you can maybe get that right. But as you do that, you have to think about the other party and how you know, that is also you know, a fair transaction to them. And you know, sometimes it has nothing to do with price. It has everything to do with the extra things that you're willing to put forth you know, with that land if you're if you're leasing. Or it may have everything to do if you're leasing land out to somebody, some of the things, the intangibles that are important to you. So fairness is an important aspect. I think it's foundational to be able to build trust between both parties on that relationship. There are many things, of course, that go into those leases. Let's start with the one that you mentioned that it is more than price, but let's talk about that for a second because obviously price is in in each one of those. Do you find in a time when we have higher input prices, higher land prices, certainly we have inflation and all these types of things, is that changing how you look at price in these relationships at all, or how should I think about the discussion of price either side of the relationship I'm on? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think, you know, different people have different thoughts in terms of how they approach it. Uh, and I guess my approach has always been to have some basis for why I believe the transaction is is worth whatever it is. And uh, obviously, if you're leasing land out, I mean, you know, you're wanting to get top dollar. In some cases, you want to be competitive if you're paying a lease. You want to kind of get by with uh, not necessarily the cheapest lease, but, you know, you're looking at the numbers in terms of what's going to work for you. And I, I've always tried to step back from it and say, what can I find that's objective that helps me look at what the value of this lease should really be based on a number of different factors that I can point to, third party factors that I can share so that we can kind of come to an agreement that is fair and it's based on something rather than this is what I've heard or this is what I feel or this is what I need. Those types of, of uh, approaches, if they're not based on anything, it just really kind of becomes a um, back and forth discussion. And sometimes that strains the relationship. And I want to make sure that that we can end this conversation or this negotiation uh, where both parties feel good and both parties want to move forward. You know, the quickest way to lose a piece of land um, if you're leasing it is to, you know, try and and be difficult 
and constantly try to negotiate for the bottom dollar. Um, you have to think about the other party. Now, the other thing with that is sometimes you have to be willing to walk away from some land because quite frankly, if you know that lease price just is, isn't going to work for your numbers, um, you need to be willing to accept that and, uh, and move on. But I always try to get, you know, third party information that I can use to uh, base the negotiations on. I know that you want to, of course, continue relationships, hopefully over years, because you have good relationships. So what are some of the things that you're doing to try to build that relationship, whether it's extra things you're doing uh, for the landlord or things that you try to do when you're farming or, or ranching that land? How often do you speak to those landlords? I'm interested in what works well for you to maintain those relationships. Yeah, so I think first and foremost, it, it, it's really communications and listening. And, and I'll start with land that I lease out in South Dakota. I mean, there are some important things um, to me, to our family, that I want to make sure get done. Um, and, uh, and, and so I communicate those, and, and I also communicate why they're important. And, you know, uh, once someone knows, you know, that, that that's important, um, and it's part of the package, uh, and it goes beyond just have it, having it written into the lease. I mean, they need to know that, you know, this is something that, um, you know, it may not be a big deal to them, um, but it's a big deal to you. And because it's a big deal to you, it's something that, you know, they're, they're willing to do. So um, I think it's important that you're able to communicate those. On the other side, if you're leasing land, I always ask the question, even if I've leased that land for um, multiple years, what's important to you? Is there anything that's changed? Is there anything that I can do different? And you'll be surprised that sometimes, you know, someone will uh, say, well, you know, um, if you would be willing to do this, we would really, really appreciate it. And I think sometimes we're afraid to ask those questions because, you know, it's like giving, you know, someone an open checkbook. Well, now that you bring it up, you know, I'm going to have you do this or that. Or there's some concern that, you know, you're opening yourself up, you know, for somebody to be critical about how you're how you're farming. But I really think it's important to listen to understand where that other party is at uh, so that you then can position yourself to um to try to uh, take advantage of the opportunity that they're giving you to strengthen the relationship and build trust. And oftentimes it's just little things that you can do that add the value. I was interested to hear what, what are some of those things? Because you mentioned opening it up, but a lot of times are they little things that really don't cost you a lot of time or money, but really strengthen the relationship? Yeah. You know, so for example, you know, our, um, our ranch out West, one of the things that I always try to do is I try to keep things simple, right? And I try to make things easy. And sometimes that means some investments that I might make um, so that, you know, the, the uh, you know, my business partner out there um, doesn't have to spend a lot of their time focusing on something that isn't as important as cattle or things that, you know, are, are really generating the revenue. So for example, um, I can't be out there building fence. And so I hire people to build fence because 
I, I don't want my business partner to have to spend a lot of time building fence when he's got better things to focus on, you know, that, that generate revenue and generate care for our operation. So that's just one thing, you know, that we've talked about and, um, and that we do. Uh, in terms of things that I do with land that I lease, I make sure that they understand um, all the different ways that we're adding value to that land from a sustainability standpoint. Um, I think table stakes today is just farming land in compliance with what you know the Farm Service Agency may require from a conservation compliance standpoint. I think you have to look at things that you can do beyond that. Um, and, you know, these might be things that you just do because of the value they create from a crop production standpoint, but it's a big miss if we don't communicate the value to the landlord of what those practices are doing in terms of soil health and uh, conservation in ways that, uh, that they can understand and appreciate. What do you like to do as far as how often you communicate with uh, those landlords where you you have a lease with them? Are you sending them pictures during the year? I, I'm sure it depends on where they live and so forth. But is there something that's worked well for you as far as how often and what you communicate with them? Yeah, you know, I, I look at it from the standpoint, I think there's three great opportunities to communicate. And obviously, some uh, some of our leases, you know, there's a spring payment and there's a fall payment. And so those are touch points. Those are opportunities. And, and what I try to do is I try to just write a little note in there about how the spring planting season has gone um, on their land in particular. And, uh, and then I will, if I have an opportunity, I'll snap a picture uh, of, their, uh, of their farm and the newly planted field. And, um, and I'll just send them a text with that. And that'll be you know, a separate communication from, you know, the check that I write that I send them. I'll do the same thing at harvest time. Um, and then when I'm out walking fields, you know, I'm kind of just looking for a nice little picture of crops growing and I'll just snap it and I'll just send them a text and say, boy, it's a beautiful evening and a um, great time to be walking, you know, the field here on your farm. And you'll be surprised how much they enjoy seeing and hearing about what's happening. You don't have to share a lot. You just have to share enough to demonstrate that you do care about them and their land and that it's a privilege to be able to farm it. One of the things that uh, you and I had the opportunity to do recently was participate on a panel, and we're going to talk more about that at the conclusion of the program that people can see. It's with Nationwide, but talking about a variety of topics dealing with both sides of, of a lease. But let's talk about the insurance side for a second, because that's one of the topics we bring up. What things do we overlook when we think about these types of agreements as far as what insurance I need on both sides? Uh, we had quite a conversation about that. Uh, so what things do I need to be thinking about? Well, I think what you need to think about really begins with questions. And here again, sometimes these are questions that normally we don't like to ask. But, you know, I want to make sure, for example, the land that I'm leasing out, I want to make sure that I understand um, um, that my business partner understands the liability insurance that I have. 
Um, I want to make sure that we have conversations about hunting privileges and who's going to be on the land and that sort of thing. And I want to know what types of insurance that they have. And so, you know, sometimes you don't know what you don't know, and it's hard to to ask all the questions. And I think that's where I've kind of leaned in on uh, people that understand the insurance business to learn from them what kinds of questions should I be asking and how should I ask those questions in a way that, uh, you know, is good for both parties and, and doesn't, you know, um, cause one to raise some concern. But insurance is a really, really important part in this deal because oftentimes we don't think about it until something has happened. And then there's a question about, well, what do we do now? And so being able to anticipate at least a few of those scenarios and address them up front and to kind of know where the ownership for that risk lies is really helpful for that relationship. And so I always try to reach out to people that are a lot smarter to me than me on the insurance side to uh, ask the right questions. Do you have any specific examples of things that people should be aware of that maybe you've run into more than than once in, in your time or just conversations that are important to have? You kind of gave a general overview, but I'm interested. Are there anything specific that you find coming up again and again? Well, yeah, I think that, you know, for example, uh, I, I think there's if, if you're if you have a farm and you're leasing it out to someone and there's some buildings on that farm. And there's possessions in the in the building, you know, might be heirlooms or whatever, things that are important to you. I mean, it's really it's really important to think about what is the potential liability here. If I'm leasing this out and something happens, even though I may have some coverage, um, do I have enough coverage? And if it's not my fault, does the party that I'm leasing out to have the insurance coverage to um, to handle that. Uh, I think the bigger question becomes, you know, when people are farming land, obviously, um, if there's safety issues or whatever, um, those things come into play and making sure that both parties have the coverage um, necessary, you know, to uh, provide mutual protection. So every farming operation is different. Every lease, you know, can be a little different. And I guess my advice is that you really need to sit down with somebody that understands farming and risk and can help you ask the right questions, but more importantly, help you understand how to bring some of these questions up to the other party that you need to talk about. I know something else we talked about in that series was uh, crop insurance and dealing with the FSA. Are there any tips you would give people about those conversations? Because sometimes there's misconceptions about who handles what and so forth. So help us head off some of those uh, potential pitfalls. Yeah, you know, and again, it kind of comes back to communications. And this is something that we don't often think about. But we need to keep in mind that from time to time, landlords, you know, have to sign paperwork from the Farm Service Agency. And and sometimes they read different things or hear different things, and they may not have all the information or be fully informed. And, and I had a situation where um, I wasn't really proactive in communicating some aspects of a farm program that we were uh, enrolled in. And, um, and I had a landlord who really felt that he was entitled to the payment because he owned the land. Well, 
when he went to the farm service agency, um, they had to tell him, well, you're not the operator. You don't have the risk. You know, you're, you're not entitled to that payment. And he was really trying to understand why. And that was a big miss on my part because I could have easily communicated upfront to him about this. And, um, and I could have been the one that did the explaining. And so I think the lesson that I learned here is really trying to communicate some of these programs, why they exist, um, <clears throat> who the, who the benefits are for. And, um, and those benefits are there because of the operator who has the risk. Um, and so again, you don't want to get into the weeds, but I do think you want to make people aware of how their land is being farmed and, um, and what some of the, you know, farm service agency programs are and, and why they exist. Uh, the other aspect that I think about, from the standpoint of crop insurance is it gets to be, I think, tenuous. If you have a share agreement, um, those can be kind of challenging sometimes about who pays for what. But uh, I think it's important to know that if you are taking crop insurance out, you know, that's an important point to emphasize because it says to the person that, you know, you're leasing the land from that not only am I a good steward, I'm, I'm a I'm a good, you know, business practitioner. I'm trying to manage my risk. Um, there's no concerns about me being able to make a lease payment. I'm taking steps to to manage my risk, and that's just a positive thing that you know you can speak to, and you can leave it at that. Max, in the time we have left here, we have harvest that, uh, depending on where you are, may be finished or it is finishing. So a lot of times these conversations are happening now. Hopefully they've already been having some conversations, but have the conversations changed any as we look to go into 2023? Because we opened up talking about land prices, input prices, so forth. Have the conversations, number one, have they changed? And secondly, what should I be thinking about as I probably have these conversations with both sides in this relationship looking to 2023? Yeah, that's a great, great question. And I think, you know, there's, there is a lot of, there's a lot of different thoughts, I think, that are going through the minds of people that are leasing land and people that are, are leasing out land. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of drivers right now. And one driver, particularly for absentee landlords, is, you know, they're hearing about some of these high commodity prices. And so they can easily think that, well, gee, if uh, corn is $6.50, versus $3.50, man, farmers making a lot of money. And I think you have to be transparent about what the input costs are and, and that sort of thing and um, put things into perspective. And there again, you can share that, but if you can provide some information to back that up, it, it really helps to put into perspective um, just where commodity prices are relative to um what it costs to raise that crop. And, and so it might be able, you might be able to take off the table a significant lease increase that somebody might be thinking about. And again, it's about being fair. I also think that there may be a tendency in some situations, and you see this with absentee landlords, where other family members get involved and say, look, you know, we should really be getting a lot more for that. And, uh, with the economy the way it was and things tightening, you know, we could use a little more money. That certainly could be a, a real situation. But there again, bringing this back from the standpoint of 
I've always tried to be fair and um, I have, haven't really been challenging to work with when it comes to, you know, increasing rent. Um, but we need to make sure that it's fair and I want to make sure that it works for you and it also works for me and it has to work for both of us. And so there again, bringing some outside perspective to that and some data to base your negotiations on. But I would anticipate that more questions will be asked here about where is farming going and uh, what about these high commodity prices? And, and we, have to, we have to address that with the people that we work with squarely. Max, good points to consider. I appreciate the conversation. I enjoyed talking with you about it. You may have heard me mention in the interview a video or webinar on this topic that you can watch. It's totally free, and I think you'll find lots of good information for whichever side of a lease agreement you might be on. Here's how to find that webinar. Just go to agweb.com nationwide dash landowner dash panel. That's agweb.com nationwide dash landowner dash panel. I'm also going to put that information on our Farming the Countryside Facebook page so that you can find it there as well. Remember, if you've not done so already, you can follow Farming the Countryside on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We're always using those social media platforms to share more information. And you can hear this program in a variety of ways at farmingthecountryside.com, on many local radio stations, or on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for joining me. That's it for this week's show. I'm Andrew McRae. I'll catch you next time on Farming the Countryside. This edition of Farming the Countryside has been brought to you by Pivot Bio Proven. Turn to a better nitrogen. Learn more at pivotbio.com.